Chris Gausser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First to Run, it's a special 601st anniversary episode of The Big Show. And I've got to tell you, Matt, initially things were looking pretty bleak. So first up, we were supposed to discuss Morbius, the latest Marvel side piece. And then I messed up and I watched The Bubble on Netflix, forgetting that we had agreed in the prior show to watch Fresh, which is on Hulu. And... I realized this last night around ooh, 11 o'clock or so, and I texted Matt in a panic, and of course he was already fast asleep, thankfully for him, and uh, we were able to knock out, though, both films. So not only are we going to discuss Morbius, we're going to discuss The Bubble, and we're going to discuss Fresh, because when we mess up, it's to your benefit. It's like when you go to the store, and you return something, they'll say, mm-hmm. you know what, keep it, or mm-hmm. we'll give you a free one on top of that, so... All for you. We'll also tell you what's uh, coming up on Physical Media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to issue the top fives, at least for a week, and return to our uh, favorite Vegas odds-making game, What Are the Odds?, featuring Sony, Netflix, Ezra Miller, and more. So grab your garlic necklaces, kids. Be sure to tenderize your meat and quarantine yourselves with a few pals for the latest episode of The Big Show. Let's hear a clip from... Morbius. I've done things, my love. I killed people. We, 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 we can make that go away. The ones on the boat, they're thugs. Guns for hire. I can make that go away. You don't understand. I do understand. Please, have I ever denied you anything? Have I ever said no? Have I always given you the money? I can't control it! What, so, so, so you get to live and I get to die? Is that it? You know, a lot of things coming out of this film may be a curse, Matt. Why don't you tell people what is Morbius all about? All right, so this is the story of Morbius, the living vampire. Michael Morbius is a uh, doctor who is suffering from a rare blood disease. Um, He is on the verge of curing it by splicing human DNA with the DNA of vampire bats, because that's how it works. And apparently vampire bats are like piranha of the sky. I, I don't know. But uh, sure. they uh, he he splices his DNA with a, the vampire bat. It cures him. But at what cost? Because now he has a thirst for blood. <sighs> yes. Yeah. The <laughs> vampire's thirst. So, Matt, also, too, I, I, I buried the lead here. I forgot to mention this. We're going to be debuting a new feature on this show as well. Now, it's going to be probably a regular but when we get to it, I will let you know. And I, I, I was inspired because of this week's film. Okay. And just, I think, how, how bad it is. My question for you, Matt. Are, are these spinoff films getting progressively worse? And can they be redeemed by Sony at this point? Um, so, this is the same studio that brought us into the Spider-Verse. So, I, I am confident that they have it in them somehow. I don't know what they need to do um, to fix these. I don't, know, I don't know if I say progressively worse. I mean, let's just... Not breed around the well, bush. Well, Venom's the best of the, these three, right? That first one. Because I don't count Into the Spider-Verse because that's not a spinoff mm-hmm. of the uh, MCU, you know, proper type thing. Yeah. Is it? Is it better? Is it worse than Venom? I mean, Venom's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Maximum I, I Carnage is pretty bad. Ed Hardy in in Venom. Uh, Ed Hardy? <laughs> would watch Tom Hardy in Venom, the first film. <laughs> before now, the second film is horrible, right? And I, I think this one is in some ways worse, but for technical reasons. Okay, but go ahead. Yeah, um, I mean they're definitely not getting any better. That's for sure. I think you can make an argument of which of these turds smells the least bad. <laughs> um, so I guess there's that. There's some disagreement on that, but I, yeah, this is. This is not good. How do you make like a 90-minute film, Matt, basically, and have it still be a slog? Mm. It really, it takes forever. Even, And I feel part of it is because it feels so disjointed as well because you're never quite sure what's happening narratively. It's It just kind of jumps from set piece and vignette to set piece and vignette. And it, it's just everything is so poorly tied together that sometimes I felt like I had missed something. Mm. That's, you know, it's just, we're going to jump to this next scene. I know that the core of the plot, right, is right in there with Matt Smith's character, Milo, 
who's also suffering from the same condition as Leto's Morbius, but Morbius won't share the cure with him because it's a curse. <laughs> so of course he, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil it for you. He he gets his hands on it and takes it anyway, but he starts to revel in it. He mm. loves the life, so it's up to Morbius to stop him. But it's. The films, it's just, I don't, it's just inert. It's really, I, I can't even, there's some people praising Matt Smith's performance in this. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Because the film surrounding him is not kind of tongue-in-cheek and fun at all. And I don't think, so people say, well, he's playing up, like he's the one that knows the movie he's in. Mm-hmm. But no, because that's not this movie. Right. No one else in this movie plays it that way. And it's not thrilling. It's not scary. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's 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 not interesting at all. I think it's as the quote goes interesting. Um no. And that's a big problem, right? It's uninspired, it's incoherent, and it's bereft of any kind of care. Like nobody you don't care about anything that happens. It just doesn't justify its existence at all. Yeah, and I don't And even it makes some really dumb decisions too, which we'll talk about in a minute. Go ahead. I mean, I guess it's not even really it's hard to kind of lump it's this. Not even a movie. Well, it's not even like a. It's not a superhero tale, right? Morbius. I mean, if we're we've already for spoiling everything. I mean, Morbius basically kills a bunch of mercenaries, and then that's it. Like he doesn't like in the comics. I think when they tried to make him a good guy, you know, he was like Venom, like the you know a a go out and kill the bad guys, um, eat only the bad people kind of thing. Whereas you don't really get any of that in this. I mean, this whole story, like. All of this takes place, I think, in the in like a day and a half. I think like once he gets turned into a vampire, like it's like literally forty eight hours from like I'm a vampire, I'm cursed to my best friend, I now have to kill him, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's just it's just weird. Like, why if he has bat powers, why does he like teleport? Like, are bats particularly fast? Like, are they? I've never seen a bat that just smokes and teleports everywhere. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've said there were some things I liked about it. I like the idea of the fake blue blood mm-hmm. and how he ha- tries to subsist off of that. I think that's an interesting idea. I like the flying gas effect thing. I'm not quite sure what that is, mm-hmm. but that trail that he leaves right. whenever he floats around and flies around. I don't understand it, Yeah, but it, it looks neat. I like that we play with the vampire mythos a bit, you know, with the garlic and the sun. Oh, wait, no, we don't. No, we don't. We we tease it a little bit, but then I hate it because we don't do anything with it. Right. You know, we don't ex- we don't look into him if he has any weaknesses. His only weakness is he needs to replenish his blood supply. Right. That's it. Right. That's outside of that, nothing bothers him. So, fine. And then I guess there's a reference in the very beginning to a school for gifted children that's in New York. Right. So, we all know what that is, right? right? But that's it. And then that brings me to my next problem. Jared Harris plays the doctor who takes care of Morbius and his buddy Milo when they're kids. And there's like this flashback scene when they're little kids. And then we, we're going to fast forward to present day 25 years later. And he looks exactly the same. He does. Exactly the same. <laughs> and it's just, it's just a lot of just, I don't know if it's just absent-minded stuff or just a lack of care or investment. Right. I don't know. Now, the director who did this has made some interesting films. Daniel Espinosa, he did the that film Life that some people originally were trying to work around mm-hmm. as to make a Venom prequel mm-hmm. in some capacity, mm-hmm. right? And I think Life is interesting. Yeah. But some of other stuff, I don't... Safe House, some people like, which is the Denzel, Ryan Reynolds movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that film mm-hmm. at all. And then I think, did he direct? Yeah, he did. Child 44 is abysmal. I mean, that's one of those two I thought would be really interesting. I think even when it came out, it was on one of like my most anticipated films of the year. And it is horrible. And Morbius is right up there. And there's this really, I think it's on Uprox, this really fawning, horrible leading interview with him mm. where the, the guy asks him, like, well, I'm a, uh, listen, life is great. You know, Safe House is one of my favorite movies. You're a great director. I'm assuming this is not the movie you handed to the studio. Right. And he keeps asking all these, like, leading questions for him, and he kind of doesn't really answer any of it. And I just, I don't know. It's just, I guess the point I'm trying to say is the thing doesn't make any Here's another way, Matt, I can tell you where it doesn't make any sense. Remember the trailer? Yes. And Michael Keaton shows up? Yes. 
Talk a little bit about that. Uh, that doesn't happen. And they just kind of tack it on in the end. Now, I read a good theory as to why that is in on Reddit. You want to hear what it is? So he's playing Adrian Toomes, though, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he is. playing Vulture right. from the MCU proper. Sony proper, yeah, Disney mashup. Right. right go ahead. So the idea that I've seen is, and in the trailer, I think you even see... Like uh, references and graffiti to like Spider Man and stuff like that. Because um, yeah, Morbius, like murderer, yeah, something like yeah, that in there too. Yeah. Uh, Morbius is a Spider Man villain, so let's get that out of the way. Um, yep. The I, I think the I, what Sony thought is that they were going to be able to use one of the three Spider Men from No Way Home, and it didn't work out, and they had to scramble at the last second, and the big reveal became Michael Keaton. That's literally like the laziest tacked on sequence ever. Um, just how and it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. No, it really doesn't. It's it's so awful. Because this Morbius has absolutely no connection to Spider-Man None. in this universe. And unlike Venom, where I think there's like some fleeting mentions to him mm-hmm. or something, there, there is nothing. And supposedly Espinosa says in another interview that there is a Spider-Man in this universe mm-hmm. and that he exists basically in all universes, mm-hmm. I guess, and, and in our hearts. And so <laughs> at the scene where Michael Keaton's, you know, Adrian Toomes shows up and he says, uh, I think I'm here in this universe because of Spider-Man and we have a mutual thing. So let's team up and, and do the right thing. And he's like, that sounds good. And it, it's just, I, it's so ridiculous and it's so stupid. And, and I don't, it, I feel it, like you said, it, it feels shoehorned. I mean, maybe that makes sense because, all right, we got Keaton. Yeah. Which I think too, he's like second build in some posters and stuff yeah, too. Yeah, right. But um, it's it's just it's an infuriating experience because it's I don't know how these films could get worse these these side pieces, but they are. I laughed a few times, mm-hmm. but I was at what I was watching not because it was funny, Matt. It was because some of the horrible decisions yeah. or some of the dialogue yeah. that's delivered or the story. Yeah. Now one of them's on me. One of them's where he's talking to um. His his friend there, Adria Arona, and or his girlfriend. I guess it's never officially mm-hmm. defined that they had some romantic scenes together. And he hears he's over overheard these kids trying to pass off like a fake hundred dollar bill, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes to follow them. So I'm instantly thinking, are we really going to transition to him being a superhero now by breaking up this counterfeiting ring? Right. Is that what we're about to see? Right. And thankfully, it, it doesn't go that way. So I felt a little dumb for laughing at it. But I think the part of it is that the film is so stupid up to that point that I would have <laughs> totally bought into that that's what the next plot point was going to be. Right. We were going to have like a, a 15-minute montage of him preventing crimes right. as Morbius the Living Vampire. Right. <sighs> Sorry, I'm done rambling. Go ahead. Anything else you want to add about this? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's awful. Film? I think we agree that it's awful. Um my only now concern is, is I don't hope that the Spider-Man of this god-awful universe is Miles Morales, because that would just be a really shit way to introduce him to live action, <laughs> to kind of shoehorn Miles Morales into uh, this awful, awful universe that Sony has gotten. And God, I wish they would just give it up. I wish they would just give yeah, it up. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that in the final segment of the show, I think. But. It, it, then they also try and shoehorn some comedy. We have Al Madrigal, who's a guy I think is pretty funny. I used to love him on The Daily Show. And he's one of the FBI agents, mm-hmm. of course, with a horribly miscast Tyrese Gibson, who I don't <laughs> I don't know what the hell's happened with him in this film. But he's so wry and so unfunny with his little quips and stuff, too. And it's, the whole film is like that. It's like a, a perfect representation of everything in the film. It's It tries to hit all these kind of Marvel-esque kind of points, but then just swings and misses on every single one of them. Right. And it just, it's, it's lazy and dumb and aggravating. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't have anything else to say about this. One thing that makes me nervous about is Craven. Yeah. There's a Craven film coming. And I got to tell you, I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I like Ariana DeBois in Craven as Calypso. Mm-hmm. And she just won an Academy Award. Russell Crowe is in the film. And it's directed by J.C. Chander, who did, if you haven't seen A Most Violent Year, mm-hmm. a phenomenal film. Yeah. All right. But the problem is, All is Lost is solid. And then Triple Frontier is a mess. Right. I mean, Triple Frontier is a very bad Netflix exclusive film with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaacs, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, Pedro Pascal. You think, man, you're going to have a home run with that, right? No. No, you're not. 
You're not. In fact, when I look at it, I have now I haven't seen margin call, so I can't talk about that, Matt. But after all of this stuff and seeing how they continually just trip over themselves, I am not eager to see Craven at all. Yeah, me neither. I ugh. I mean Craven Craven's only like known as a villain because he's got that kind of final, really good final arc where and that's the only reason people care. Like I don't Ugh, it's gonna be so bad, and I don't even understand how Craven works if there's no Spider-Man. They have to. They have, <laughs> None of them do. I, yeah, I guess Morbius he can pull off yeah, without him, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Venom is worse than that's true. Craven, true. And they work around that. So that's coming out January. Um, what is it? Thirteenth, right now. Whew, can't wait. Mark my calendar. So, you know, you know, the big big time for people to go see the movies. January. I must have a lot of faith <laughs> in that one. So yeah, all right. So Morbius, Matt, I'm just giving it an F. I, I'm just I have nothing more to add. Really? That's not going to be it's, it's an, vitriolic. It's an F. It's an F film. Um, I think because it's, it's 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 bad and forgettable. It brings nothing to the genre, and it's just it's atrocious. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm going to give it a D. It's a it's a D film. D for duh. <laughs> all right, Matt. I'm going to introduce a new feature on the show. Are you ready? Are you excited I'm ready, about it? Sure. All right. So. Longtime followers of the show, and I think we actually talked about it last week or the week before, that I am vegan, so I do not eat out a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. And I also, though I do, it does happen once in a while, I try not to eat any of the popcorn at the theater because it's going to kill me. Mm. So, especially how frequently we go. So I decided on a new feature because I know Matt Singer, I think it is, well, he eats all the uh, special food, promotional food tie-ins, mm-hmm. like Little Caesars. He ate that bat calzone pizza thing, yeah. you know. He'd go to Burger King and get the whole flight of whatever it is. I'm going to do an own first-run version of that, much to my liver chagrin, and I will now be partaking in the mixed drinks at the MacGuffin Bar that are pro- promotional drinks. Okay. And we're starting off our inaugural feature with Vampire's Thirst. To go along with Morbius. Okay. And man, I think you should partake in this. If you go, um, yeah, if it's not a Sunday morning matinee, or if it is, maybe that's your preference. Now, the problem is they don't really list any of the ingredients online, so I can't nail this down for you. I had asked the bartender, but I had forgotten what it was and didn't write it down because I was running late. But it, I do know it includes Patron Silver, some grenadine, and some cranberry juice, and something else, maybe some seltzer. There's a bit of a kick to it in regards to heat, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got nice and smooth Mm. and I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed it much more than I did the film. I would probably give Vampire's Thirst a B plus. I think it was quite enjoyable. Tequila always goes down really smooth with me, which is scary, but it made the viewing a lot more tolerable. If it had a little kick, maybe it it had some ginger or ginger beer in it. Maybe. Ooh, maybe ginger. That might be it. Uh, that'll be tough for me to do. I would love to participate, but my AMC does not have a bar in it. Oh, all right. Yeah. That's I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. All right. We'll see what comes up with the next promotional drink. Next now this won't be every week, right? If they don't do one, then I'm not gonna do it. Right. But uh there you go, folks. You get a thumbs up. B plus for the Empire's Thirst. Get it while you can. Morbius is currently in theater. Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com to let us know your thoughts. Matt, I'm just gonna rip off the band-aid. We're just gonna roll right into the bubble because okay. I wanna wrap that discussion up as quickly as possible too, because folks Here's here's the bubble. Hi. Hey. <laughs> How are you? So good to see you. Are we, uh, I, uh, no, oh, oh, well, imagine. Okay, yes. <laughs> Fake hug. Oh wow, you look fantastic. Oh, thank you. I've been exercising a lot. It's the only thing keeping me sane. Well, you look sane and gorgeous. Mm. And uh, what do you think about Cliff Beast Six? I can't leave my boyfriend right now. He is very neurotic, and this whole time is just very triggering for him. Oh, okay. What if you brought him? No, he won't travel. Because of the pandemic? No, he just won't fly. He also refuses to get a job. Okay, well, you know, I have a lot of clients working in bubbles right now, and they're having a blast. It's not going to be comfortable working with those guys. I mean, they all hate me for not doing Cliff Beast 5, so I can't bubble with them for three months. I'm going to level with you, okay? You need a rebound after your last film, Jerusalem Rising. Mm -hmm. I mean, you saw the reviews. No, I never read my reviews. All right, well, hang on a second. Can you not read those? Just listen, okay? Jerusalem Rising manages to offend both Palestinians and Jews. Well, that's one review. Just the one, Matt. So now we're going to spend a few minutes talking about The Bubble, the latest film, air quotes, directed by uh, uh, Judd Apatow. And once again, I'm doing it, air quotes, written 
by Judd Apatow and Pam Brady. Pam Brady worked with uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone a lot in a bunch of South Park stuff. So um, that's that's what Bonafides. And it features Matt a pretty stellar cast. Karen Gillian, who you just heard in that clip, along with what's that cat's name? I like him so much. Rob something. Her plays her agent. Rob Delaney. Thank you very much. Uh, along with David Duchovny, Maria Bakalova, Keegan Michael Key, Leslie Mann. Huh, Leslie Mann. How'd she get I in wonder. here? Kate McKinnon, I'm not going to disparage Leslie Mann, actually. I've always enjoyed her work. I think she's a very funny actress. I shouldn't say that about it. Pedro Pascal, Peter Serafinowicz, and then Iris Apatow. Oh, I wonder how she got in there. <sighs> anyway, so you have the story of a bunch of actors. It's it's prime COVID times. They go in the bubble, Matt, mm. to make this Cliff B6. The Was it like the 22nd or 20th largest action franchise of all time? 23rd. <laughs> 23rd thank you and of course there is ignominity between the crew because karen gillian's character had bailed on the last film and they brought her back because she had some poor reviews on another film you just heard that clip actually and it's basically a mostly improvised comedy film made during the pandemic and i'm going to talk specifically about that but i asked you a question a few weeks ago matt is remember when i asked you about the horror movies need to be scary mm-hmm. and we we said no they don't they don't so then I'm going to ask you, do comedies need to be funny? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to be a, a good and watchable comedy, yes, they need to be funny. Now, I think you can try, you can make it a comedy and it not be funny. Like, I can understand what you're trying to do, but uh, I think... Well, maybe your black comedies and your satires, you're not going to be giggling all the way true, through. True, true, But if you're doing a screwball, off-the-wall kind of... Improvational, co- improvational comedy film. I think you're you're going to be going for some laughs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a good question, Chris. This is really very different than any Judd Apatow film that he's made to date. Yeah. No. Yes. Yes, it is. And it's. I haven't seen his last couple films. I don't think. And. This does not fill me with confidence to watch anything. I feel that the issue I had with him was the last thing film I saw his in the theaters, Matt, was one with, um, is it Funny People, yeah. right, with Adam Sandler? Mm-hmm. And that one was very, very long. Right. And I think what happened is he started to waver into um, meta kind of commentary mm-hmm. on stuff and, and kind of eschew the laughs. It wasn't a big, now he's making. Serious comedies, mm-hmm. I guess is like a better lack of a better term I can think of for for his audiences. He's he was growing up, and um, I'm sorry, I saw Trainwreck, which I thought was okay, but that's it. I haven't seen the King of Staten Island. That's also more of my aversion to Pete Davidson. Right. And I think though here maybe we're trying to get back to our roots here. We're having a little improvisational, improvisational. I'll get there. Film, but that's the problem, Matt. It's an incongruent collection of clearly improvised gags. That don't work. Right. And they're not funny. Kegel Michael Key's character has this cult thing he's running, mm-hmm. which I think I, I think I got a one little guffaw or maybe a giggle out of that. <laughs> I think there's a couple of scenes with Duchovny that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I actually may have the only times I actually laughed at all, really, was when during some the actual filming of the scenes with some of those line deliveries that are written purposely to be bad, right? right? But that's and that's all I want. I would like to see more of the actual filming because the interpersonal relationships between all of our stars here is just dead on arrival. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. This is not a funny film by any stretch of the. I think the only part that I even found remotely enjoyable was the James McAvoy cameo for some reason. I don't know why I thought that was so funny, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. I, I did. I think that was the one thing that elevated it at all. To me, was James McAvoy showing up, and why is it Karen Gillan, especially when they're in England, can't use her real accent? Why do all of these films she's always putting on an yeah, American accent? Why does she can't? Why can't the girl just be Scottish? You know, that's what she is. Yeah, that is it's horrible. Really, be 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 who you are, Karen. It, it's horrible. <laughs> and and the other thing too, like there's a scene. The Irish Apatow character is like the big TikTok star, mm-hmm. right? And there's like three TikTok gags in this too, which is I think three too many. And but the only scene I actually like, I really laughed out loud. It was so short. There's a scene where I can't remember now. Thankfully, one of the characters has some type of issue, medical issue. Is it Pascal? It's Pascal. 
And uh, Keegan-Michael Key's character does like a whole body flips out of the room to get help. Mm. <laughs> that made me, I, I did laugh at that. But that was it. That was like the one thing that really stuck out at me. And then I think the most infuriating part of the whole thing, Matt, for me, is the end. Mm. There is a mid-credits scene that Apatow reveals the whole game, and he actually apologizes. And I want, I want you to hear this. Do you think we have enough footage in the can to put a cut together? Well, we didn't get any of the opening, but maybe that doesn't matter, as long as, long as the ending's strong. Yeah. I mean, the whole rest of the movie can be shit, as long as the ending's good, because that's what they'll remember, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, at least we tried to make a movie. I mean, you can't judge us for that. We made something that's a distraction in these difficult times. No. All right, no. <laughs> that's him saying right now, he's got all this shit in the can. Right. They've looked at it, and they're like, oh, my God. This is horrible. <laughs> so they they film that scene to say, listen, it was the pandemic. We wanted to give you guys something, you know, so you're welcome. We did what we could. But it's, he knows it's Drekman. Right. It's like finding out that FDR knew about the attack on Pearl Harbor and let it happen anyway, right? That's what I'm saying. The bubble is like Pearl Harbor. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, it is. that When that scene happened, Matt, it infuriated me. I wrote it down. And then I pulled the clip to play it for you because I was like, you didn't have to do this. Right. And you didn't have to release it. Right. I mean, it is, I, watching that part, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And then the fact that this thing is improvised mostly and it's put together and it's over two hours long. 80, give me an 85 minute thing if you're going to do this. Right. All right. 85 and out. Right. Instead of just three TikTok gags. A bunch of stuff that doesn't work. No. This, again, Matt, abysmal. Do not watch this. F. I'm like I'm like the teacher in Christmas Story. F. 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 Except instead of A pluses for Ralphie. I'm tired of this. No, F. Yeah. Failure. Yeah. Uh, I would say this might have gone over a little bit better if this had come out um, at the beginning of the pandemic when we were, when like all the movies were being canceled and we were desperate to see something. But I mean, it's 2022. I mean, we've adjusted to this life and we're moving into some sense of normalcy. So this is really not, you don't even get the benefit of the doubt for that. Right. If you had kind of put this thing together a lot longer, maybe I would have given you a little bit more slack, but alas, no. Somehow, Morbius is a better film than this. Um, yes. I'm going to give it a yes. D minus. Well, you're being much kinder to me. I'm like I'm like Ed Harris, Matt, and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross <laughs> watching this film. Oh, fuck you! Fuck the lot of you! Fuck you all! That's how I feel. You right. know, it's driving me crazy. Right. <sighs> I think cause I'm at that point in my age. I'm going to be dead soon. And I'm like, this is what I'm filling my time with? Is watching these just atrocious films? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This is what... We've been doing this show for a long time. You know, Chris, I haven't even been here for all of them. But Chris has done 601 shows. And to think that... On every th- I think it's one I missed. Okay. Well, that's two episodes... That's two movies, right? And you got to figure most of them are mediocre to bad. So, what? 1,200 movies plus and most of them are not good we'll say over a thousand because there was a run when the other guy was here yeah you only did one where we only did one film a week gotcha okay that lasted for like six months to a year maybe okay so i don't want to totally depress myself but yeah no it's no but hey daisy ridley was in it which is fun i like daisy yeah, ridley yeah i mean it was nice to see her pop up in something again i'm concerned the, that there are a lot of cameos yeah, in this thing i'm concerned that her her career is on a downward trajectory because i haven't seen her in anything in a while except for that awful tom holland film mm, i didn't even watch that i didn't watch it either i watched a few minutes of it and it's it's not good that's Doug Lyman too right that's the one with uh yeah he's edge of tomorrow which is great yeah, it was criminally underseen so that's just so we watch these things so you don't have to folks yeah no don't currently on netflix don't watch it cancel your netflix subscription (laughs) really just avoid this thing uh pearl harbor man all right let's gonna go ahead and move on and talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming tuesday april 12th matt doesn't usually buy stuff day and day 
when it comes out. I don't. But I think uh, next week he will be. Okay, so uh, Connors, Marco, Dylan, and um, uh, look, I think that I can repair the devices for Dylan and Marco, but the others. I well, know. I got Connors. I've already cured him once, so no big deal. Well, that's no big deal. Great. Yeah, that's great. I think I can make an anti-serum for Dr. Osborne. Been thinking about it a long time. Gotta cure all of them, right? Right. That's what we do. Well, I don't know if that moment that uh, Tom Holland Peter is on board with that. (laughs) So Spider-Man No Way Home Matt is getting its physical media release this upcoming Tuesday, April 12th. You get a steelbook from Best Buy. Walmart has an exclusive cover, and Target has a pack with four exclusive art cards. Includes a Dolby Vision HDR presentation, Dolby Atmos, bloopers and gag reels, alternate reality Easter eggs, seven behind-the-scenes featurettes, two panels, three stories from the Daily Bugle, two stunt scene pre-visualizations. Matt, will you be buying No Way Home next week? Are you going to sit on it and wait? Uh, nope. I'm in fact, I have already bought it. Um, it dipped down the pre-order do- dipped down, I think to about $25 on the 4k. So I went ahead and bought it. So good for you. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to get, it. I blew through my movie budget the other week last month. Cause we had drive and then, um, what else did I get? Ah, that shows you how into it I am. So what else is coming up? Come on, come on, which we reviewed for the show. Audio commentary with the writer-director Mike Mills, a making of feature and more. Matt, what I really wanted to catch up with, The Novice with Isabel Furman from uh, Orphan, okay. where she plays a young woman. She's going to college and she becomes wants to become, like, I think, like a crew member, a rower. And she becomes obsessed with it. Okay. And it's supposed to be kind of like this sports thriller. Okay. I don't know. But it's supposed to be, she's supposed to be really, really good at it. RLJ Entertainment is releasing Last Looks, also known as Waldo. A disgraced ex-cop seeks solace by moving to the woods, but his quiet life comes to an end when a private eye recruits him to investigate a murder. Charlie Hunnam, Mel Gibson, still getting work. Another guy was canceled. Miranda Baccarat, Clancy Brown, Dominic Monaghan, and Lucy Fry all feature in this. Lionsgate, I hate you, Lionsgate, is releasing War Hunt featuring Mickey Rourke. Welcome USA is releasing The Spirit Walker, which is a fantasy action film that revolves around a man losing his memory and subsequently wakes up in a new body every 12 hours. I like that concept. That's something I'd like to get behind. Uh, I haven't watched this, Matt. I don't know if you caught up with any of it, but season one of the Chucky show from the Chucky guy, the originator, Don Mancini, as well as featuring the voice of Brad Dourif, is getting its uh, release. Have you caught up with any of the new Chucky show? No, I haven't. No. I hear it's actually supposed to be pretty entertaining. Okay. So you can pick that up now. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing Walker. This is the uh, Alex Cox film, of course, of the fantastic Repo Man fame and others. Also featuring music by the legend Joe Strummer. William Walker and his mercenary corps enter Nicaragua in the middle of the 19th century in order to install a new government by a coup d'etat, Matt. All is being financed by an American multimillionaire who has interest in this country. It includes a restored high-definition digital transfer approved by Cox, audio commentaries, making of featurettes, and more. I wish there was some stuff on the uh, music, though, because I'm a big uh, Clash Joe Strummer guy, too, so it's disappointing. It does include two short films by Cox, though, as well. Warner Archive is releasing Fandango with a brand-new restoration. I say that that way all the time because of Strangers (laughs) with Candy. One of the most... I know I've talked about criminally unwatched. If you can track down, I think it might be on the Comedy Central app or the HBO app, maybe? Strangers with Candy. Absolutely hilarious stuff. Fandango is about uh, five college buddies from the University of Texas circa 1971, Matt. They embark on a final road trip odyssey across the Mexican border before facing up to uncertain futures in Vietnam and otherwise. Warner's also releasing American Flyers, the Kevin Costner film, getting a brand new restoration on that one. Kino Lorber's releasing some stuff. The Abominable Dr. Fives and Dr. Fives Rises Again as a two-pack. The uh, Vincent Price films. They're releasing Fabian Going to the Dogs. It's Berlin, 1931. MLU between Sublitz and the Underworld where brothels are artist studios. Nazis are yelling abuse in the streets. And Babelsberg is dreaming of producing a psychological cinema. Kino's also releasing New Year's Evil. Gets a brand new 2K restoration of that film with an audio commentary and a making of interview. Kino's also releasing Tentacles. Several people disappear from and at the sea, Matt. 
Their bodies were found gnawed at the skeleton, or to the skeleton, with even the marrow missing. The, the scientists have no idea which animal could do such things, Matt. I'm assuming it's something with tentacles. Dr. Turner begins to suspect the company which builds a tunnel beneath the bay might have poisoned the environment and caused an octopus to mutate to giant dimensions. Includes a theatrical trailer, a radio spot, and some more stuff. Cohen Media Group is releasing Oranges and Sunshine, featuring Hugo Weaving and Emily Watson. Your UHD picks of the week, Matt. I'm sitting on this one. I'm just, I can't decide what to do. I bought this, what is it, a year ago? Two years ago. The special edition set from Arrow. But it's just a Blu-ray. It's not the 4K. Robocop. Mm. Now, this is a reprint of that entire set. Or you can get the Steelbook, too. But now you're getting UHDs of the director's cut as well as the theatrical cut. Uh, I don't know what to do, Matt. I'm going back and forth on this. Do I go and try and trade or sell in my Blu-ray? And then what if I get like five bucks for it or ten bucks? I just roll that into the UHD. I don't know. Some I just feel like I need to have this on UHD. What about you? Do you own Robocop in any capacity? Yet? Uh yeah, I own it, but I don't own it on Blu-ray either. So I'm I'm actually kind of glad that I'm a late adopter on a lot of this stuff because most of my a lot of my films are on DVD and like it's like, man, I can I, I wouldn't I would upgrade to this and I haven't lost out on anything. No, you haven't. No. So good for you. Mm -hmm. is also releasing a 4K of Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, featuring De Niro as the monster. Helena Bonham Carter, Tom Hulse, Ian Holm, John Cleese, and Aiden Quinn are in that as well. Brand new 4K restoration on that one, and a whole bunch of new interviews as well. Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week? Jurassic Island. After her father goes missing in search of a mystical or mythical lost world, his daughter and team follow his clues to find him. They arrived to find the previous team Matt had run into a disaster, and the search for her father becomes a battle for survival. What should we be streaming this week? Well, besides the movie that we're going to talk about later, which I think we, is, well, it's better than what we've seen so far this time, uh, is uh, I'm going to recommend that you go out and watch, um, I was listening to Screen Run, um, I finished it, and hopefully we're getting a new, soon, a new season pretty soon, but it made me want to catch up with the kind of Rid Ridley Scott redos, and if you want, Prometheus is available for your viewing pleasure on Amazon Prime. Is it as maligned as it is? It does it deserve some of the vitriol? I don't know. Um, why don't you watch don't it and so. let us know? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Planning for season two of Screen Run is underway you mean right season now. Season three of Screen Screen Run. Oh, season three. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. God. Did you hear what happened today? No. Jesus, what's wrong with me? The officially it was it's officially officially official. Okay. That uh, Kevin Smith's latest film, the horror film Killroy, was here. I think it's an anthology. Is uh, going to be available as an NFT. Oh only. my God, gross! Kevin Smith, why? <sighs> why does everything have to be horrible? Can we just have some nice things? All right, man. Let's go ahead and keep rolling. Then let's talk a few minutes about the latest romantic film, the uh, film for the uh, young lovers in your life. Fresh. Have you ever had these? Grapes? No. Cotton candy grapes. They taste just like them. I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. I told my sister and my niece, and they were like, no way, fuck you. So now I'm getting them on my way there. Your niece said, fuck you? Yeah. Four-year-olds are crazy. <laughs> All right. I can tell you don't believe me, so you're going to have to try one. I don't want you leaving here thinking I'm a weirdo. Right? Oh, shit. Mm. Wow. Science. Yeah. <laughs> Go with science. <laughs> Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. I just <sighs> come to the fruit section to talk to random, very good-looking people that stand near it. Well, that was cute. And he sounds absolutely adorable, mm -hmm. man. So um, we're trading off again now, Matt. Your turn. What is Fresh all about? So Noah is a young single woman looking for love and she's having trouble in the online dating scene. Um, just not having a lot of luck when she meets an attractive and charming stranger in the grocery store. And she decides, you know what? 
I'm going to give this guy who looks like the Winter Soldier a chance. And that proves to be a horrible decision. Don't trust any Winter Soldiers. And he's a bad guy and stuff happens. Yeah. So let me ask you, does Fresh prepare a new course of delectable delights? (laughs) Or is this film undercut by its satirical points it may try and make at some points? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's fine as a kind of a gross out horror film, thriller, suspense film. You know, I don't think it breaks any new ground, but I do appreciate some of the performances. I do appreciate that we don't uh, try to sympathize with the villain at all. Um, That he's Mm -hmm. kind of not like, you know, the leather face who's just trying to lead a good life kind of thing when those damn millennials came in and ruined everything. Um, so I don't know. I enjoyed it enough. I thought it was a a pretty good gross out suspense thriller. Yeah, I like too that I want to pull up some details of the film on Google. And Google describes it as you know how they if there's more than one genre like you know horror comedy yeah. or comedy drama, yeah. they have thriller thriller. So Fresh is a thriller thriller. Okay. And I originally wrote down in my notes, Matt, that it's a fresh take on the horror satire genre. But I decided to spare all of you <laughs> that though. I guess I didn't. Either way, I um I rather enjoyed Fresh. I think Stan is quite charming in this mm-hmm. and creepy as all get out. I will confess I was totally unfamiliar with Daisy Edgar Jones previously. Um she I've never seen her in anything. Uh, I guess she's going to star in a film that's on the calendar. Okay. So currently on the calendar called Where the Crawdads Sing, which I think is the directorial debut of Reese Witherspoon. I know she's at least heavily involved in it. And I think she inhabits this young woman, Noah, which is, I think is a fun name. Mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. very well. I think she's really interesting to watch. I think she handles the kind of, I don't know, how do I say this? That sounds like a jackass kind of guy. She kind of has this kind of frumpy kind of, um, you know, put upon by life, you know, kind of vibe to her. And in fact, there's like some jag off on one of her dates that kind of mentions about that at one point yeah. too, which I found amusing. And she's had very little luck in the dating field, and she thinks she's found a great guy, mm-hmm. finally. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. And I think what why the film is so successful, Matt, is that it's subtly unsettling. Mm-hmm. And I think why so is because it takes a lot of the romantic drama comedy tropes and kind of gives them a horror twist. I'll tell you how, like from A, from its atmosphere to its musical cues and needle drops, which bothers me because it is perverted. Some of my favorite 80s ballads of all time, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, to its stars performances. I think it, what it, why it works so well is because it never loses its sense of the romantic drama that it's, that is its supporting structure. Right. All right. And you go that by the shot selections. Cause a lot of times it's just these things you would see in a romantic kind of comedy and it's use of music. It are usually things that are reserved for that romantic comedy drama genre, but there's, they're here. And by using them, it makes things just deeply unsettling mm-hmm. at times because of these little touches and then because it, it takes all of them and then everything becomes skewed at that point too. In fact, there's one scene where there's even a Dutch angle where they're sitting, having dinner together, you know, and the camera's got that slight tilt, right? Uh, it may, I think, lose track of the satire stuff that it's going for in the beginning, but it brings it back around again. Um, just how you could just indictment on like this kind of hookup culture, particularly sure. with men, but it closes with it, I think, perfectly by bringing it all back around again. And yeah, I don't know, man. I really, I, I enjoyed it. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I, again, I'm right there with you. I think it's a, it's a, a fun um, little indie film that I think was pretty successful. Um, was one of the films that had some good buzz at Sundance, so we didn't get a chance to catch it. We had to make some choices. Um, but it's a good thing mm-hmm. that this is available on Hulu. I'm glad we were able to catch up with it. And by the way, if you haven't had them, cotton candy grapes are the shit. They are so good. I have never had them because we eat just the organic stuff okay. here typically. And I have yet to see organic cotton candy grapes. Maybe I'll just wash the hell out of them, but it gets into the skin though. It's, I think you gotta, mm. you gotta just do it for yourself. Just uh, those yeah. and, and moon drop grapes, those kind of weird oblong black grapes are yeah. really good too. All right. I'll, I'll chance it. I think just a few dozen probably. I mean, you know, one time. just think of the prior 
40 something years of your life where it didn't matter <laughs> and you're still well that's what i but i gotta work up against that i'm, I'm fighting that that's part I of understand, the problem but, but i yes, mean I a, a, a handful of candy grapes is not gonna do it undo any major damage to you that's that's true you know. i'm terrified if, if there was some way to see the you know the horrible stuff that i'd eaten over the years <laughs> and what it's done i guess you can't you just look at me yeah. and you'll know exactly what's <laughs> happened not that i'm some grotesque 400 pound guy no. You but know, like, so you know, you are true. you are a man who worked as Pizza Hut in his teen years, so that's, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> Good times. Uh, I have a couple of side notes, Matt. I want to mention before I drop my grade on this thing. Again, some of the songs like Peter Cetera has forever been ruined for me. Now I've always liked that song a lot, and when it came up, it's Richard Marks too. Yeah. Uh, but I got to say, I wonder if I have any friends that are as dedicated as hers are to kind of figure out what happened to her and track her down. Mm. I I, I, it's like, I I think you would try and find out what happened to me. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like if it wasn't too much of an inconvenience, yeah. but it'd be it'd be tougher Which, for me if you're still living 1,200 miles away. That I think would be that's fair. Yeah. I mean, but if you ever come back up this, I I got your back, man. I appreciate it, and I like too the the guy friend of her friend. Yeah. How he goes on this mission to try and track down. Because not only has the woman disappeared, but her friends disappeared that he's closer with. Right. So he goes to track her down. And I love how that part plays out. Which I think, too, again, just kind of takes that angle of of just that that's it's i don't i don't it's not a searing indictment of men but it certainly is a it's it's a fun joke about what happens to black guys in horror films <laughs> but then, two just how dedicated are we to doing the right thing and helping people out some people maybe not so much right. maybe not so much right. uh one thing i also want to talk to just for the general streaming companies out there do not autoplay the next film or next, whatever it is, if your movie has a mid-credit sequence, right. don't do that yeah. because you're not going to see it like this one does. So just a heads up, people, you may cut out on that. And it's not world-changing if you missed it, but I thought it was enough interesting. And the final thing I have a, I have a complaint with about this film, Matt, what are your thoughts on the Satanism angle? Because I think that there's a whisper of it in the very beginning, and in the credits, it really, I think, kind of shows what's going on here. And I didn't care for yeah. it. I mean, I noticed the like the 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 stamp and the stuff that was on the plates and stuff like that, and I was like, okay, yeah, you know, and maybe it's kind of like a, a slight nod to it. It seemed a little kind of it kind of fit in if we're doing this kind of '80s throwback that you're throwing in some satanic panic kind of stuff, which I guess okay, but it doesn't really seem to be the point of the film. And uh, no, it's not. Yeah, and I, I feels a little shoehorned in there. I don't think it was necessary, uh, but it didn't like really ruin my enjoyment. Yeah, I, same with me. I just feel, I think it does take away a bit from the core message of the film about you know being in the male dominated society and misogyny and how really just this guy being this guy can just be core enough evil. You don't have to besmirch the good name of Satan, right? <laughs> to, uh, to, to to do all of that. I mean, as it's still hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Leave the guy alone. He's 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 done enough. He's gone through enough. I'm kidding. We're not big Satanists at all. Or are we? Turn tune in next <laughs> we're week. We're not big Satanists. Yeah, we're like we're like Friday evening Satanists, you know. <laughs> uh Fresh gets a B plus from me, Matt. Hey! Right there with you. B plus from me as well. You know, too, you this is one of my uh movie snob things. Mm. When your movie movies opening credits start thirty three minutes and seventeen seconds into your movie. Yeah. I know I'm in for something good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's like that's like a snob indie movie fan geek thing. Yeah, Thirty three minutes opening credits. Oh yeah. yeah, it's like that Vince McMahon meme. Yeah. You know when he rolls back yeah, and yeah, 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 that's that's a good one. It's like five minutes in, ten minutes in, fifty. Thirty three minutes in, <laughs> and he's rolling, falling out of the chair. What are your thoughts on Fresh Folks currently available on Hulu for your streaming pleasure? Check it out. B plus all around. Matt, let's close out the show. With a round of, uh, what are the odds? It's been a while. I wonder what little lady made these. Actually, I did, sir. My mother was a florist, so I made them to look like the ones in our garden. Oh, well, do pardon me. They're just as real as possible. Mm. 
Ah, uh, now, gentlemen, look, see, that's what you do with the cloth. It's really just for wine drips. Oh, you got that, boys? Only for the drip. <laughs> now get us some food. So, Matt, of course, that is a clip from the uh, winner of the Best Direction, mm. Jane Campion's film, that won Best Picture. It won Best Picture, right? Power of the Dog? It won. Mm. It's, it won. Mm. I might want to check that again. <sighs> Clip from Power of the Dog. Matt, here's my first what are the odds for you. What are the odds Netflix snags a Best Picture win within the next three years? Hmm. Um, so, so far we've had one on Apple Plus, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's it. So, oh, yeah, I guess. So, because Manchester by the Sea didn't didn't win Best Picture. That was Director, right? And that was on Prime. I think so. That was on Prime. But that was... That was in the theaters. Didn't I see that in the theater? I know it was on Prime. It's considered a Prime film, um, like a Prime Studios film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, that didn't win, though. I don't remember. Um, yeah, so I think the Netflix in the next three years, honestly, as much as I like Netflix and they're like kind of the innovator of this space, their kind of original content movies seem to be the shittiest of the all the major streaming services. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be a 30% chance. I think I think Amazon Prime and maybe even Hulu with the Disney 20th Century connection will win before Netflix does. That's interesting. I don't know about that. I mean, it, I guess the 20th Century connection, like you're saying, may push it out. I just don't know if, well, you know what? They own Hulu and Fresh, I wouldn't say, has been sanitized in any capacity. Right. So, yeah, maybe you're right. You said 30%, huh? That's what All I right. said. I Okay, good. Thanks for the verbal confirmation there after a little while. Um, I'm going to say then I'll go I'll go 35%. I'm not confident because like you said, I have not been impressed with Netflix's offerings yeah. for the most part with any of this stuff. Yeah. So, Roma's been actually you know that's not true. I liked Roma a lot. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed The Irishman more than some. Yeah. So they have put out some good stuff. But um, the bulk of their work, though, uh, not great. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's because they buy stuff on the fire sale, you know, buy stuff off the shelf. So next week, uh, I have to go see a Michael Bay movie, apparently. (laughs) Um, Well, we got to talk about that because everything everywhere all at once is hitting next this Friday. Well, yeah, but we have that and then we're doubling down. Right. That's that's what's on the schedule. I'm going to make things worse for you. Everything Everywhere All at Once is two hours and 20 minutes. Oh, long. that is fantastic. That is, Which I'm excited to see it, but... And I'm assuming Ambu LANs is uh, very long as mm-hmm. well, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Well, the, sorry. The, during the press junket for, for Ambulance, uh, somebody asked the question, of course, as people are wont to do, what is Michael Bay as an auteur of our time? What does he think about comic book movies? And he said something to the effect of, you know, I like them, but I wouldn't want to work in that world. I would want to have um, something, you know, free to kind of build up my own thing. Uh, I wouldn't want to be kind of stuck to a style. Um and he prays like Matt Reeves is the Batman, I think just uh, rightly. But uh, what are the chances that Michael Bay makes a superhero film? When are we going to get some superhero Bayham? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm sure DC, the Warner Brothers, may go after him for something, mm-hmm. right? Because you get a little more control there. I don't know. We'll say, listen, the guy made like a dozen Transformers movies, right. all right? He did. So I'm going to say 70%. That at some point he dips his toes and we get Michael Bay's Lobo or something. I don't <laughs> he know. was attached to Lobo for a long time. Uh, was yeah, it? he I was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to go a little less. I'm going to go say 60%, I think, mm-hmm. because I think he's getting, he's getting older and we'll have to see what kind of a draw he continues to be. And maybe he's just, uh, isn't going to want to put his stamp on Green Lantern. I guess we'll see. There's a movement moving around right now on film Twitter, too, about people coming to the defense of Michael Bay. Here's here's the problem with that. He can make spectacle films with the best of them, if not the best of Mm -hmm. them. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. But let's not pretend for a moment that any of those Transformer films are good. Mm -hmm. All right? We're not going to rewrite history here. I think Pain and Gain is good. I'll confess I've never seen 
any of the bad boys movies. Right. I need to catch up with those. That was because I, I didn't care for Martin Lawrence, so I was never uh into i never got into saw any of those films but some of his other work i have enjoyed for sure and then six underground horrible yeah. all right so he is great at what he does but sometimes what he does is just it's not good i guess is a way it's like being a craftsman like you're the greatest mcdonald's franchiser <laughs> or something like you know like you're really good at it but maybe what you're giving me isn't great right the thing I've always seen about Michael Bay's when people come to his defense is that visually he makes he makes um, some interesting compositions and like you said he makes good action sequences sure. and stuff. But from a storytelling perspective, he is terrible. So it's kind of like where do you kind of balance those two things? Yeah, he needs something blown up. He's your guy. So Matt, then Jurassic World Dominion is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that it rescues that franchise from mediocrity? At least the Chris Pratt run. Yeah. Um, 20%. I, as we like to say on the first run, I have absolutely no juice to see this film. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think let's, let's just, uh, let's just kill it off with its ridiculous runtime from what I understand, which I'm, again, I'm really looking forward to and just move on because I have no comp, I have no faith that this is going to be any good. Yeah. That's 20%, I think is, I, you may be being a little generous. Here's a problem. I also think it because Sam Neill and Laura Dern and Goldblum are all back, mm-hmm. right? So that gets me a, a little interested. Now, those are the two films that were not good. They're not good at all. And I just don't think it's going to right the ship. Trevorrow, excuse me, he did the last one too. Did he do the first one? I think with Pratt? I can't think remember. He did. I think he did. Pretty sure. No, all right. I just. No. So you're at 20%? Yeah, yeah I'll go 25%. I, I guess I'm a little more bullish on it than you, but not much. That's just because I don't want to give you the exact percentage that you did. So, yeah, <laughs> no, it's not confident. Um, all right. So uh, so did you, do you remember that Rob Zombie's making a Monsters film, right? Like a PG yeah, one, too, right? right? right. Um, hey, who's going to play Lily? Uh, oh, geez. I think it's that... You know, I think he's going to break with tradition, and I think he's going to have his wife actually put star oh. in this. Yeah, it's very, okay. very strange. Um, good for him. But you know what? I am glad that they seem to love each other quite a bit, and that's that, that's, that's true. good for them. That's good. That's true. But I've seen a I've seen a still. He released a new still of the during of the production, and oh boy, um, what are the odds <laughs> that this thing is going to be fun? Oh, that's interesting. I think so. I think it's he's. I have not seen this still, so I'm going to try and find it real fast. Oh, Cassandra Peterson, is she in it? Maybe, I don't know. Oh, interesting. You guys know Cassandra Peterson is, right? Everybody knows who she is. Okay, I'm not finding it real fast. Okay, it's going to be fun. I don't know, man. I'm really kind of... don't know how this is going to shake out. I'm going to say 45% he pulls it off. Okay. That it's uh, entertaining and fun. Yeah, I'm going to go... No, I'm going right with my Jurassic World uh, Dominion. I'm going to say 20% because I'm not convinced that this man knows what fun is or what his idea of fun is. It's like a normal, broad sense of fun. I've seen his all of his movies, and I, I'm not convinced. I just found the photo. It's, so it's them in like the director's chairs. Uh, no, it's Looking it's a color photo. It's like one? it's like a it's like through the like dailies. They're kind of all standing around. It's got weird lighting. I think it's on his Twitter. Um, oh, okay. Well, I got three of them. I can see what they look like mm-hmm. at least. So, all right. Yeah. No, I don't know. Fine. <laughs> Matt, I guess I guess I'm gonna go full circle from the opening of the show. What are the odds that Sony writes the uh, Spider-Man ship? Oh boy. Which is funny because that's what my last one is kind of tangentially related to that. 10%. I I don't think Sony. I mean, how much more evidence do we have to have to see that Sony cannot handle this? I mean, they just can't. They managed to do justice to the character and make a good comic book film with Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. But since then, it has just been off the rails bad. Except for Spider-Verse. Like, maybe my one of my all-time favorite superhero films ever and it's it's the rest of them are just so mediocre i mean you just got to go with proof of concept right you just got to see what you have and if you go with what's past his prologue if you go with what you've seen before i don't see anything 
that does that. Like the X-Men movies too, mm-hmm. have always taken a big dive after a couple good ones. And yeah, I don't, it, it's just about, I guess, I don't know if they're just not getting the right creators, if that's what the problem mm-hmm. is, but it's not good. Uh, I I only have like a, I'll go 35% chance that they'll be able to ride the ship at some point. Maybe Craven will be great. I, I just don't. highly doubt that. I don't know. Yeah, no. See, the th- problem is, the, the tough thing about comic book films is that they either live and die on a very recognizable property, or you have to get somebody who does it, who, like, has a vision and understands enough to, like, bring their affection for the characters forward, like James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Um, whereas, I, I feel like all of this stuff is very mercenary. It's like, these people are like, oh, you're gonna be in a comic book movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, these things make billions of dollars, I'm gonna, it's a huge payday, but they don't care about the character or the property or anything like that, like... Matt Reeves seems like he's a big Batman fan. So that made sense. Whereas Snyder, I don't think he ever really understood anything about the DC characters. Right. So I don't know. I feel like you need to definitely not super. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you have to have a love of these things or have a guiding influence like a Figi who, you know, again, has a real love for these characters and understands them to make these things work. Is part of the issue is that they're also basically only able to use the villains and they have to try to keep churning out these anti-hero films. Well, so they're already have one hand tied behind their back. I think so. I mean, and that they can't really have Spider-Man in them either for the most part. Well, they could, they could have Spider-Man in them if they wanted to. It's just, they, from what I understand. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the, the MCU properties are making so much money that they don't want to upset that cart, you know? So hmm. I don't know. God, I, I, I'm so nervous about what they're going to do to Miles Morales or like Spider Gwen or something. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be awful. Okay, well, this is my Spider Man question. Um, so Raimi Raimi is directing uh, the Multiverse of Madness, the new Doctor Strange film, which I'm I'm looking forward to. And as obviously Raimi was one of the, the people that kicked off this kind of superhero craze with his Spider Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire, he was again doing press for Doctor Strange, and somebody asked him about working with Tobey Maguire again, and he says. While it's not anything that's been discussed, it's something I would absolutely love to do. I would love to work with Toby again and even work with him as Spider-Man again. So what do you think the odds are that with all of this kind of goodwill that Raimi and Maguire work together again in a Spider-Man film? I would say I'm going to go like 65%. I think it's high. I, I wouldn't have gone that high if Keaton hadn't come back to be Batman. And I think, A, then McGuire comes back for uh, No Way Home, right? And I think that Toby enjoyed that experience. And I think with Sammy back, Sam Raimi back in the Marvel fold in some capacity too, though that's more with Sony. That's, I think that could maybe what would be is Sony's Spider-Man offshoot, Mm -hmm. right? And then I don't know if Holland still continues. And I mean, they've established a multi-universe, right? right? So I guess they can do whatever they want. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's something that could come along. I think that would be fine. That's why I'm giving it such a high rate. I think that before I would dismiss that stuff, but after Keaton came back, I'm thinking, wow, this stuff could actually happen. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd give it a 60%. And I think actually what I would give higher, excluding Rami from the, I I almost think that it'd be more likely to see Garfield come back as Spider-Man. I think I would give that Mm -hmm. like maybe 65. I think, you know... But is the as we say again, the juice there for the Garfield return is that Believe it or not, as much as it would be a Tobey Maguire. I think a lot of people really liked Garfield as Spider Man, and I think that they that he people think that I think he got a a shit deal because of those of like the surrounding and the writing of those films. But as Spider Man, mm-hmm. his performance, I think people really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. I think that yeah, and and not for nothing. I mean, Garfield's thirty seven, so that means. Maguire has to be pushing 50 that would be that's got to be tough uh to kind yeah. of you know go through the diet and the the workout regimen and all that kind of stuff again you know um as they get older yeah that's true and I think Garfield has said that well said too that he would be open to coming back again as Spider-Man too yeah. so yeah that'd be interesting to see all right that's it, folks. Those are your odds for this episode of The First Run. What do you think would happen to all that stuff? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. 
Big week next week, Matt. I cannot wait to see Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's one of my most anticipated films of the year. And uh, we'll finally get to check it out. Then after that, unfortunately, we're going to have Fantastic Beasts, I guess. Good God. <laughs> but then The Northman. Oh, which... I'm super excited for that. And at least <laughs> Fantastic Beasts has Mads coming in to class the place up a little yep. bit. So that's something. It does. Did you hear what happened to uh, a little bonus one for you, Matt, real fast? Ezra Miller gets booted from the DCEU. Supposedly on film Twitter, it was reported today that Warner Brothers and the DC entertainment folks are looking at a way to, they're basically going to shut down anything he's involved in. Really? I thought they were pretty deep. Everything's in, on pause. Deep into filming The Flash. Are they just going to scrap all that? Oh, it's done. Oh, Flash is done. Oh, okay. it's, they had their first test, well, done. They had their first test screening this past week. But any future projects with Miller as the Flash are immediately on hold now. I guess he had some other incident now uh, where he got arrested for yeah. a fight or something. Yeah, I have been reading about that. Uh, yeah, I think they're done. I really don't. I don't think that there's anything. Uh, I would not be sad to see them go. So that's fine with me. Yeah, I'd probably say 85, 90% that uh, Miller's out as Flash mm. at this point. Maybe he, if there's something up, he gets help and something. Who knows? Sure. But I think that's over. All right, kids, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess that's it. So we are going to go ahead, take an extended break. Take care of yourselves. We love you very much. And we will see you soon.